and welcome to Geek Girl Meets, a new podcast series from Geek Girl Meetup UK, which will interview incredible women in tech to understand exactly what their jobs involve, how they got to where they are, their passions, key areas of interest, in order to inspire you, the listener, to explore a new role, understand more about the tech scene in general, or just understand how you might get to where you want to be. We're often asked at Geek Girl Meetup to speak at schools, colleges, universities, or help other events find female speakers. And because we all do this part-time, unfortunately we can't commit the time that we would love to commit to actually go and speak to all of these people. So we thought it actually makes sense for us to make a podcast series. If you don't know Geek Girl Meetup, we're a group of women in tech who put other ladies in the field on stage through meetups that happen every four to six weeks and an annual conference, we bring together an inclusive audience of men and women to hear from female experts as a way of inspiring others, connecting you with new people and showcasing the awesome work already being done by women in tech. You can find out a lot more about us by following us on Twitter at GGMUK, following us on Facebook, just search for Geek Girl Meetup UK, And stay up to date by signing up for our newsletter at geekgirlmeetup.co.uk. So there's lots of UKs and lots of geek girls in there. You can also have a look at all of our sister organisations from around the world in tech hubs such as Stockholm and Berlin, Hong Kong, and recently a new geek girl meetup which has started in Mexico. So we're all over, so have a look for us online. Now, uh, if you don't know me, my name's Cathy. I'm one of the organisers of Geek Girl here in London. And I'm very excited for the first in our Geek Girl Meets series, and I welcome Gemma Milne to join me, who is a creative lab technologist for Ogilvy and Mather, one of the world's largest marketing and communications companies. Gemma, you have been a fantastic supporter of Geek Girl for a long time. I've had the pleasure of welcoming you on stage at our conference last September and we're delighted to have you for the first Geek Girl Meets podcast so welcome. Not at all thanks for inviting me very exciting. So we're going to chat about you and Mm -hmm. your career so far and the one thing I think would be really interesting to start with is actually what did you want to be when you were growing up? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice one, actually. I mean, most of the time, actually, when I say to people, oh, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up, I tend to say, oh, I have absolutely no idea. But um, I wanted to be an astronaut. And, uh, I, yeah, I kind of probably still kind of want to be an astronaut to an extent. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of my stretch goal when I was... Even when I was a teenager, actually, it wasn't even, like, when I was a little kid. Yeah. And what was it about being an astronaut that kind of drew, drew you to the role? Was it watching films that kind of inspired you to do that or reading about it learning stuff at school what was it that kind of drew you to being an astronaut um I probably can't, I don't know if I could put my finger on it exactly I mean I've always been extremely passionate about science technology um specifically physics and maths and um it's probably from you know I, I read a lot outside of school. It wasn't necessarily the school curriculum that got me excited. It was you know my granddad was dead into maths, my dad was dead into maths, and um, I read a lot of popular science books that you can get you know out of Waterstones. Um, yeah. You know you know like when you go to Waterstones, you go to the upstairs bit and it's all the reference books. That's like my dream. Yeah. Um. So I think it was probably a lot of that, and then I think it was as well the idea of doing a job that you know well a is totally not one of the mill. Um, not very many people get to do it but I mean who doesn't want to you know look down on planet earth and see it from space I mean that 
there's no, no other way around it, right? Yeah, it's a pretty awe-inspiring role to have. So how did you go from a teenager that wanted to be an astronaut to being a creative lab technologist at Ogilvy & Mather? What was the career journey that led you to where you are today? Yeah, so it was quite a... Well, as most people in technology have, especially in London, when I've noticed it's quite a roundabout route into what I did. Um, so, as I say, I really enjoyed science and technology when I was at school, um, I even went to space school actually in Texas for a week and a half with um, the Career Scotland did like a scheme where you could apply and they basically took the sort of 26 nerdiest people in Scotland to uh, to NASA and showed them around so like I was super into space yeah. and um, from that it kind of further inspired me to want to study science at uni so um, I went to St Andrews Uni and I studied maths um, sort of maths bachelors of science um, I kind of mucked around quite a lot when I was at uni in terms of, you know, I started off doing maths with physics joint honours, yeah. um, then I took a bit of economics, I did a bit of Spanish at one point, um, but I landed on doing a single honours of maths in the end. And when I got to uni, I, I guess, I don't know that I lost my love of science, I guess it maybe got muted a little. I didn't really enjoy the labs very much and we did a lot of labs in physics, so I decided to cut that out, I was much more into theoretical and I guess I kind of lost my passion for wanting to end up being a scientist. I was lured in by the corporates coming up to the universities and talking about internships, um, and I decided I wanted to be an investment banker when I left university, as quite a lot of math students end up doing. And so while I was at uni, I spent a lot of time um, interning, going to conferences. Um, I even came down to London a few times just to kind of go to meetups or... Um, you know, there's a couple of come visit the investment banks and, you know, see what careers are for you and all that sort of thing. And then I kind of made sure that every summer I was doing something that would sort of amp up my CV in order to then get to where I wanted to be um, with it being so competitive. So my first year I, um, I, I went away to America and worked as a sous chef at one of these um, camps because um, I had done that when I was at school. In between second and third year, I joined a scheme called Champions Life Academy, where um, you basically do door-to-door knocking for charities, which was the hardest job in my life. Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah, that was, that was super, super hard. I learned a lot about myself. Um, but what was cool about that is it wasn't like you just did that and then you went home. You lived with a team. Um, you all had sort of joint goals. Everyone was kind of working together. And they had this sort of you know, real focus on training and making sure, you know, you had personal development, positivity, so on and so forth. And I think that's maybe where I caught the bug from wanting to go into, you know, a business function more so than a research function. Anyway, I then, in between my third and fourth year, I landed a position with JP Morgan and I joined their investment banking internship scheme. So I was working in a thing called Equity Capital Markets, which is basically the team that launches companies, IPOs and things like that. And I got about, I think maybe about halfway, two thirds of the way through this internship. And, and bearing in mind, this is an internship to feed into the like the actual grad job. Yeah. So the idea is you do it and then you go back to uni and then you straight in. So it was kind of, if I'd done well enough in that internship, I was set. But I got about halfway through, two thirds of the way through, and it took a while, but I really had to admit to myself that it just wasn't for me. And I think I've said this a few times, I think this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was sort of sit back and go, okay, Gemma, you've spent three years of your life doing everything you can to try and get this job. You finally landed it. Um, you're doing well at it. Yeah. Um, it's hard going, but you know, if you keep going, you'll get the job. But actually, you really hate it and it's not for you. Um, you need something different. Yeah. So it took me quite a few 
well, you didn't really get much sleep. I was going to say sleepless nights, but you didn't get very much sleep anyway, <laughs> working at a bank. But, you know, I thought a lot about it. And um, I basically decided that I was not going to work at a bank. So I was kind of back to square one, which is quite scary going into your final year. And when I'm a bit of a planner, you know, everyone else is kind of ready to go back to uni and apply for all these grad jobs. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So I... But there was a few different things, actually. I'd worked on a project in JP Morgan all around WPP and looking at share prices and stuff like that. And I mucked it up and decided I absolutely hated WPP, not knowing anything about them. I also looked on, like, Times Top 100, um, graduate employers, saw that WPP was on there, and I was like, still hate WPP, whatever. But and really, this was this was a hate for JP Morgan. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's, well maybe, not, maybe not JP Morgan, like, not to, like, you know, moan about them, you know, on a public podcast or anything. But no, um, <laughs> they, they they were actually quite good. It was more the job, I think, I hated. The, the sort of, I think I was a bit of an exile monkey, which uh, wasn't really my, my idea of fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so I, I got back to uni, and I literally went on to Google, and I typed in creative business jobs, London. And a whole load of advertising graduate schemes came up. So AMV, Ogilvy, WPP. And I was like, oh, WPP, that's that company that I hate. Okay, cool. Um, And I guess I just kind of started looking into it. I researched it a lot. And I love the idea of the industry that seems to be kind of ahead of the curve, fun. I just wanted something fun after working in a job that I didn't deem very fun. Yeah. I applied for a whole load of grad schemes and did loads and loads of research. I read every advertising blog I could find, all the publications. I watched a lot of YouTube for a long time, watching adverts. I went along to quite a lot of different interviews and things like that, and I eventually landed space on the Ogilvy Fellowship, which is a, like a summer graduate scheme. I did that for eight weeks, um, which was great, in account management. Got to the end of that, they were like, nah, you're not right for this, sorry, but we'll give you a job else, like in Ogilvy. So I was still an account manager, or well, I was an account exec at the time, but I was working in account management. Did that for a year and a half on Amex, and was still like, this isn't for me. Yeah. And, and I then, it was funny, I then finally was like, oh, you know that thing about science that I really loved? I really missed that. So I managed to find that there's a part of Ogilvy called Ogilvy Labs, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute. I sent them a lot of emails and was like, can I get involved with you guys somehow um, to sort of amp up my CV because I figured there wouldn't be any jobs there. And just timing was right. It ended up that the guy who was in my role that I'm now in, he left at the time I wanted to leave Ogilvy and they were like, no, don't leave, come work here. And I guess that's what I've been doing ever since. So that's been about a year now. That's quite a journey, really. (laughs) Yeah, quite quite a long journey. Sorry about that. (laughs) But realistically, right now, how how many years are you into your career post-uni? Post-uni? Well, I graduated 2013, so this is two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's two and a half years plus uni and the switch from investment banking into kind of looking in the creative industries, then realising actually that account management, account executive side, which no one really likes. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm just, well, I'm doing that from my own experience. Yeah, of I, I used to work in agency, and the thing that I loved the most about my job was the working with technology yeah, and yeah. supporting people that are growing businesses, not the reporting yeah. conference calls, yeah, all yeah. of that stuff that you just have to do right? sure. as part of the job. Sure. But, but yeah, to then go from that into what you do now is mm. quite an interesting journey. So... What do you do now? What does the job as a creative lab technologist actually entail? Well, 
Ogilvy and Mather, as you said, is a big communications marketing company. It's a, it's a group, so there's like 10 companies underneath one name. Yeah. And that ranges from like advertising, PR, business-to-business communications, media planning, uh, healthcare stuff, you name it. Like anything to do with any form of marketing. And I sit in a part of the company called Ogilvy Labs, which sits across all 10 of those companies. So we're kind of like an R&D unit for the Ogilvy group. Um, I guess is probably a simple way of, of describing it. But I guess our tagline is more the, the innovation enabler or the innovation facilitator. Yeah. So we make innovation easier for everyone else in the company because we don't believe innovation sits in a sort of siloed team. Everyone should be trying to do things faster, better, you know, whatever. Um, so we kind of, my particular role within that team, there's only three of us in the team um, and we span various different things from helping recruit differently to working with startups to doing research my particular part of that is focusing on two things the first one is partnerships with various different companies startups government organizations universities who want to work with Ogilvy in a sort of different kind of way so whether that's you know drones or VR or robotics or I don't know even a different kind of media format and then the other side of my job is research so I I guess I'm tasked with being the sort of science and tech nerd researcher person. So I, I need to know what's going on in the world of science and technology and what's, you know, going to be happening. So like one of the things I've been doing this week, for instance, is following CES and seeing all the new developments that have been coming out of that. And then we write reports, we work as strategists, we're sometimes pulled into briefs, whatever. And yeah, we're always looking for sort of new startups as well to come to us and say, hey, we do this cool thing, does Laura's will be interested? So that's what I do day to day. So what's the kind of the, the favourite part of the role, you know, based on that teenager that wanted to be an astronaut and then going to university and whole career journey right now, the different skills that you've developed, what's the kind of core thing that you absolutely adore about what yeah. you're doing? I think for me, because a lot of my job does involve research and sort of, I mean, I say research and I guess that makes it sound kind of boring, but seeing what's out there. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely love having the opportunity to travel to conferences around the world and see what other people are doing, um, meet really inspiring people who've come up these, with these cracking ideas and you just think, oh, that's so clever. Um, and then trying to find ways that us, our clients, whoever can, can I don't know, hone it or make it bigger or whatever and it's not always about advertising right I mean sometimes we just do random projects with companies that we think are interesting you know we work with charities quite a lot to innovate in various different ways I can't I'm terrible thinking things off the top of my head but <laughs> I really love just it's about like I'm, I'm employed to be a nerd right I get to kind of go on the internet and find awesome things or go out in the world and find awesome things and I'm paid to do it which I, and I love that because I would do that anyway or I was doing that before so it's cool to be able to do it you know at my desk without people going why are you procrastinating on BuzzFeed or whatever yeah. why are you on YouTube <laughs> yeah exactly what's going on so while we're talking about the research and the startups that you're looking at and going to all yeah. these amazing conferences and everything yeah. in terms of technology and 2016 yeah what's going on at the moment, all of the development, what's happening, what areas are you most excited by? Yeah, so for me, one of the big things I think is going to happen, maybe not this year, but over the next couple of years, is if you think about the state of tech, I guess 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, for being a bit more, I mean, it's 2016 now, um, it was seen as this 
you know, very stagnant, um, you know, men in cupboards, like, you know... Men in cupboards? Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean, like, nerds and all this sort of thing, no women, um, it wasn't really, it was big, boring business, yeah. it wasn't small, nimble, exciting business, and I think at the moment, science has got this sort of slightly boring or not as exciting as tech, you know, that's the way people look at it, right? And I think that's starting to change. You're starting to see really interesting science startups. You're starting to see, you know, computation and technology really sort of, you know, go into the world of science in a completely different way, which is revolutionising the way we do science. So take, for instance, biology, which, you know, you wouldn't, when you think of biology, you don't necessarily think of computers and coding and, you know, Arduinos or whatever. You think of, like, microscopes, um, but now you've got this whole area of biotechnology and we're completely changing the way we look at DNA um, where, you know, when you look at all this sort of transhumanism movement as well, we're looking at how we extend lives. That's a bit more, I guess, wacky. Um, but there's a lot of big advancements in the world of biology purely because tech has started to sort of infiltrate. And then the other thing that I'm particularly interested as well in um, is space. I mean, 2015 was like the most exciting year ever for space, maybe other than 1969. But then I suppose that was only one thing happened in 1969, whereas this, you know, this year we've had Pluto, we've had, you know, Rosetta and the Comet, we've had like loads of legislation put in to do more things, we're like going to Jupiter's moons this year and all this sort of stuff. Um, and actually today, the European Space Agency um, announced that they're going to send uh, robots and then humans, so whatever, robots first, to the moon again. Big year for robots. Yeah, big year for robots. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, and I think, you know, these sorts of things are massively benefiting from, you know, the, the fact that we're getting better at AI, we're getting better at robotics, we're getting better at this sort of everyone-can-do-tech idea. And I think that's going to infiltrate into science, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, no, it's uh, 2016 is going to be a very interesting year for technology, I yeah. reckon, especially given the way we ended last year, especially with, um, we'll get to this later, but we were discussing earlier kind of who inspires you. And yeah. One of your people of inspiration had a very good 2015 sure. at the end, um, which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but moving back to career yeah. and obviously what this podcast is about so helping people who might be looking at making a career change mm -hmm. or maybe you're a bit younger and you're trying to decide what career you want to have what would your big pieces of advice be for anyone who might be interested in the role that you're doing or something that might be quite similar to yeah. that I think the biggest thing I mean this sounds really corny I guess is what everyone says but genuinely it's be curious and be proud of being curious you know there's not I think there's nothing more sexy than someone who absolutely loves to read Wikipedia you know because you go on one article and then you like see a link and then you click another and then you click another and you know one minute you're reading about I don't know like the history of Stalin and the next minute you're reading about the design of a cup you know it's, it's, it's insane yeah. and you're expanding your knowledge in so many different ways you become a more interesting person and the sort of people that I guess do really well in my opinion in creative roles and in tech roles are the people who can kind of be open to not knowing something but absolutely relish in learning about it you know, so maybe they'll be like, oh, you know, I never studied history in school. But then someone's like, hey, did you know about this? And you're like, oh, my God, no, tell me more. So that's one thing. And the other thing I think as well is, you know, make sure you expand your network and your knowledge 
it, you know, in the really easy ways that we have now because we have the internet, right? It's really not difficult, or at least I don't see it as difficult, to find new things, find new people, find new ideas. I mean, 2015, according to Elena Dunham, was the year of the newsletter because, you know, you can sign up to these ridiculous amounts of, uh, you know, email newsletters which hone the internet for you so that you don't have to, you know, start with an empty Google search box. You're getting sent all these incredible, inspiring ideas, articles, whatever. So that, that's one thing I think, you know, kind of utilise the internet for the amazing thing that it is. But I think also the, the big thing as well, and this was an article I got sent yesterday from a guy called Seth Godin, my colleague Shannon sent it to me, and he was all about, you know, the big thing that people are looking for is side projects. So whether that's, you know, I don't know, you really like coffee and you want to get really good at knowing what great coffee is all about. So this sounds so hipster. I'm going to change it. No, my, it's fine. I'll give you an example right now. Or maybe at one stage you wanted to be a presenter and now you do a podcast. Oh, right, right, exactly. Well, but genuinely, this is yeah. exactly what I mean. I mean, you know, actually I signed up for this really cool thing called Hobby Club. So I'm going to give a little pitch in here. Um, I don't know the guy, Tyler, but he's doing it. It's cool. But basically you sign up online. It's like $12. So it's like eight quid, nothing. Yeah. And every month you get two emails a month and there's a different hobby chosen every month. So you get told, right, this is your hobby for the month. Get really good at it. Here's your homework. And then in two weeks' time, you get sent another email with some more homework. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, so we got the first email on January 1st. Um, this month is craft cocktails, obviously. So it's we're going to. It's January! Yeah, awkward. <laughs> Sorry about that. Are they you... doing mocktails? Is mocktails an option? Yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? Okay. Um, I mean, the article didn't have any mocktails on it, but I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really cool, and it was, it was a way of kind of, you know, it's, a lot of people would say, oh, why on earth is that relevant in a job interview or whatever? And you're like, no, it's because you've got it and done something. Yeah. You don't have to go and like build the new Facebook as a side project. You just have to muck around with stuff that you think is interesting. You know, learn how to make hummus or, you know, learn how an Arduino works and build a thing where you press a button and a light turns on. I mean, I had so much joy the first time I did that. And literally, I made a button. That That's all I did. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to change the world. But... It's, it's, it's these sorts of things isn't it right even if it's a per- little personal one you're like ooh I built something exactly awesome. and it shows that you're entrepreneurial it shows that you're a self-starter um, you don't get to do these sort of skills in your first job or even in your fifth job you know sometimes you're still in a kind of desk job where you're doing the day to day and you might not get to just kind of let your mind roam free yeah um, so those are things be curious and side projects that's really good advice that was a really long answer. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, like, I like the really long answers. You know, it gives you more to cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep that all in. This, this, that's not getting cut. Going back to the internet, there is no excuse. You can research. You can find anything online. Yeah. You know, it's the term of I'll oh, Google that. Right. Yeah. Um, what are you What are you reading? What are you listening to most yeah. days? Watching yeah. that kind of either inspires you or you're learning from. What's your kind of go to? Oh, well, go to is email newsletter. So I don't actually have a website that I like log into every yeah. day. Um, my email is my god, which means like I'm getting controlled by Google, which I probably am. But the point is, is that everything I, most of the things I know about will come through email or Twitter. Those are the two places, yeah. but mainly email. So um, there's a lot of like really great newsletters out there that I, um, that I, sign up for and I probably should have written some of them down before I came here because that's a bit awkward um, but one thing is The One Thing by someone called Inaki it's like I-N-A-K-I 
Another one, I'm going to shout out to James Watley. He does five things on a Friday, yeah. which is um, five articles sent on a Friday. A guy called Luke Layfield, who does ten things on a Friday. Ben Horowitz does one all about sort of digital. You can get one called Genius Steals, which is basically the ideas that they're stealing from other geniuses to share knowledge. Basically, there's lots. I don't know if you're going to put like a like link here, but I can send you all. I actually have them written down on my website, and like you can just like click all the links, you'll get them. Yeah, I but think the I'll, point I'll is, do a, I'll, I'll do a copy and paste job. Yeah, we'll, we'll, there's there's loads there. Let's assume that if you're listening right now, <laughs> there is a list of resources recommended by Gemma <laughs> that is below this podcast on SoundCloud. So everything she's just said, it'll be it'll be on there. there. It'll be on there. But yeah, that 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 one is big, and, and it's. You know, oh, today in tabs. That's a great one. Today in tabs. Today in tabs. Yeah, I love that. You get it's, it's a lot. I mean, some of these are really, really long, but it's a good way of kind of honing down what you're doing. Um, I don't actually. This sounds terrible being on a podcast, but I'm not very good at listening to podcasts. I'm listening to Serial at the moment, as everyone is, I guess. Yeah. And I'm trying to get into a bit more. I listen to ninety nine percent invisible. I quite like that one. And there's a few science ones I listen to. Um, at the moment I'm on a mission to read 48 books this year which I don't really know how that well that's going to go because I realise it's three a month which is quite a lot but um, I, I, I guess last year I spent a lot of the time reading blogs and this year I thought I should actually read published books because they're a bit longer and meatier oh that's a good one Farnham Street Brain Food that's a great newsletter okay Sorry, I'm just shouting news. No, it's fine. We're just going <laughs> to... That really long list is there for you to click on below this podcast on SoundCloud. So, change topic before yes. we start giving me more links and we have to remember all of these. <laughs> yes. uh, for you, in terms of kind of career, because obviously you're still very young. You're, yeah, you're early on. Far, yeah, sure. You're not far into your career at all. So, you know, what are the, the things that are of interest to you that you might potentially see yourself doing in the future? I'm always really bad at this question, you know, whenever you get a mentor. That's a piece of advice, actually, sorry. Get a mentor. Get a mentor. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, and you can, there's plenty of places online, especially if you're females, there's a lot of places online you can get a mentor. Anyway, I'm sure Kathy will know more about that than I will. Anyway, whenever I've had a meeting with a mentor and they've been like, you know, map your time out for the next 10 years or five years, I literally always sit with my pen poised above the paper and I have no idea. So one mentor was quite good and said, you know, think about what it is you would have wanted to like achieve or what it is you want to have in your life, I guess, as opposed to what job you want to be doing. Because I have no idea what job I want to be doing. Yeah. I wouldn't have predicted this one five years ago because I didn't even know this job existed. But I guess like a lot of people want to travel. I'm not massively bothered about working abroad. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go abroad on holiday, but maybe I'd, I'd maybe like do a bit of a stint in the States, I guess, maybe, but not right now. I want to keep going to all these amazing conferences and meeting more people and getting awesome new ideas. I'd love to have some part or at least, you know, be a part of the community in the changing world of science because I think that's huge at the moment and so, so important and interesting. Yeah, I'm not really entirely sure I'm rubbish at this question. No, but, the, but I mean, that in itself isn't a bad thing, right? Like, you're yeah. in a role that you really like, yeah. you love. It's yeah. kind of... For you, based on your journey so far, it fits in really nicely. It's right. not an ideal, and you're already doing what you love, which means yeah. thinking kind of longer term. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, but you're kind of you're not in a bad position where you are. Now. Oh, absolutely so just not. Play around, absolutely and not. See what you like. I think I do have that. I think the only thing 
when I'm thinking about, you know, what am I doing, blah, 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 I think I have that, where is it, you know, the millennial thing of, I need to be making a change to the world and have purpose and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, I, I, I feel like I do have purpose where I am right now. I'm doing some really interesting stuff. And personally, it's doing a lot for me. And I feel like what I'm doing is helpful for the company and so on and so forth. But I think eventually I'd like to do something a bit bigger in terms of, you know, go change the world. But you know what I mean? Not necessarily work for charities or something like that, but more create something that makes a bit of a difference. But I've absolutely no idea what that is right now. Hopefully I'll, stum- I'll stumble upon it one day yeah. or join a movement. Of, you know, it might not, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking I want to go start my own company, but then maybe I will. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? No one knows. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to have two more questions yeah? that I think are going to be quite nice for, for people to be aware of. So in terms of what you do and and just generally what you're interested in and all the research you get to do, you know, who, yeah. who is it that's actually inspiring you? Like yeah. People that you're seeing, whether it's in tech or science or out of tech and science, yeah. who are the greatest inspirations that you've had? Yeah. Um, so I came up, we were talking about this earlier, and I came up with two people. Yeah. Um, so the first one um, is Elon Musk, who I think is probably quite a lot of people's inspiration. Yeah. But I think what I really like about him is he's got these sort of like three areas that are his most favourite which are artificial intelligence sustainable energy and then being a multi-planet species which I just think when you know when you say to someone what are your three favourite things they normally say like you know I like playing piano and I like music and he's like you know let's move to Mars you know and I just I love that sort of almost bordering on crazy idealist thinking but he's then backed up by actually doing those things yeah. and you know nailing it and as you mentioned earlier you know the SpaceX just managed to launch a rocket um, and then release the boosters do a little flip in the sky and then land the booster literally as if it's landing on like a 10p coin yeah I mean that's insane like and you know you can say that um you know Jeff Bezos and Amazon did that earlier on this year but they did it with a much smaller rocket and they didn't go as far into orbit right so this is absolutely incredible stuff and you know SpaceX has had a lot of people have been kind of saying oh you, you know this blew up or this didn't work and blah, blah blah and I think everyone's forgetting that they've only been going for a really short time when you think about the length of time NASA or ESA has been going doing you know hundreds and hundreds of tests it's incredible what they've managed to achieve and and when you look at like Hyperloop it just got a whole load of backing and funding so that looks like it's actually going to happen within the next couple of years um, you know, super super fast transport um, starting over in California and hopefully coming to the rest of the world you know they've got the, their new batteries coming out the home batteries that are you know solar powered it's insane this, the breadth of stuff that he's involved with and we're not even having even touched on artificial intelligence He's just kind of spanning all the really incredible areas which are going to impact our lives in the next 10 years, and he's doing extremely well. And he doesn't really care what anyone thinks about him. And I I mean, a lot of people say he works them really hard and all that sort of thing, but I've never really heard anyone say anything particularly negative about him, but then I've not met him, so who knows. Um, so he's the first one. And then the second one is a lady called Martine Rothblatt. And I actually, I hadn't heard of her before, and then I saw her speak at South by Southwest uh, last year, 2015. And she is the, I think, co-CEO or co-founder and CEO of United Therapeutics, which is um, a sort of biotech company in the States. And they created, she saw that people like, there was like 8,000 donors of lungs a year, but only 2,000 were making it, you know, from, you know, 
the deceased to yeah. the donee, I guess. Donor to donee, maybe we'll say that. Um, because they were dying on the route, you know, because America's obviously so big, right? So they, she built this kind of, like, human-like container to hold these lungs just because she saw a problem and she thought, I'm going to solve that. And, you know, that's saved thousands of lives ever since. It's insane. So there's that. And then also, she's transgender. So she's, like, the highest transgender incredible lady CEO America all that sort of thing Um, and she's super open about it and thirdly she is like super into artificial intelligence and her wife she's built like a what's what's the word like a replica like a robot replica of her wife and called it Bina 48 and it's one of the most advanced AI robots that exists in the world and it's like you can have a conversation with robot you know the, wow. the, the, the lady who was interviewing her on the South by State was like I think she was a New York Times um, journalist and she'd been kind of sceptical and then she went to the house to like meet this robot and she was saying you know she was completely expecting to have a sort of really fragmented conversation that didn't make any sense whatever and she's saying to this robot um, you know oh so you're a replica of someone um, do you think uh, I can't remember the wife's name but do you think the wife um, likes you and the robot's going yeah sure Like, and she's going yeah but like it must be weird being a replica of someone this robot's like yeah I mean like how can you ever really feel like you've got a real personality if you're just a copy of someone else and all this sort of thing wow. and it, 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 when she was reading it out it was just like that's insane yeah. you know um, so I just think she's a pretty incredible lady going out and doing these incredible things and you know she, what's also cool about United with Therapeutics I think it's you know you can get help if you need it and you don't have to pay for it and all this yeah. sort of stuff so um, yeah so they're my two people and I think it's mainly just because they think really really big and they don't just think big but they actually execute big yeah they're not just dreamers they're yeah. dreamers that do yeah and there was an article that um, Dave Trott wrote um, actually about my boss Nicole and he was talking about you know who are the true creatives and he was saying that creatives aren't people with ideas they're people who know how to execute ideas yeah and I agree to an extent. I mean, I guess there's, there, you know, you could say that there's someone who comes with an idea and then tells you exactly what to do, and then you execute. But I think it's about these ideas that people don't know how to execute, and it's about finding a way. And I think that's really inspiring. I feel pretty inspired now. Woo! Woo! That's a that's good the thing. idea. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> biggest piece of advice you can give anyone who is trying to find their dream job or yeah. wants to do something like you're doing, or just you know, like the general kind of. What's the one piece of advice you go to anyone in their working career trying to, you know, complete their passion in some way? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people say this whole thing around um, find what you love Mm. or find your passion and things like that. And I read this thing. I have no idea who said it, so I'm just going to say it and steal it. Um, But someone else did say it, so sorry, whoever wants to correct me. But they said that actually, if you haven't already found your passion, you're probably a pretty boring person. You might not be working doing your passion but you'll have found your passion there's something in your life that you either love you read about you're interested in you wish you could do deep down and I think it's about sort of not telling yourself that it's silly to think that bit bigger and that's not big in terms of I'm going to go change the world it's big in terms of yourself and your own what you expect from yourself and and and, you know I'm not saying everyone out there should decide that they should go and you know build a company that's going to make everyone you know get out of poverty i'm just saying that people should kind of 
you know, think about what it is that they really love and don't be afraid of saying to yourself, do you know what, I'm actually going to give this a go. And if it doesn't work, then whatever. You know, it's, it's not really that big a deal. So, yeah, I think, I, I think that for me, it took me a really long time to kind of say out loud, do you know what, I actually want to work in tech or actually I, I want to work in science again. And now it seems ridiculous because I'm like, well, obviously I've always wanted to do that. But all those years in between, especially when I was working um, in account management, it was like I didn't want to say it because I it, right then it wasn't I didn't feel like it was achievable. Yeah, I think there's also the idea of not underestimating yourself and also assuming that everyone else is better than you. I think there's this a lot of the time if you're not already working in an environment that we are very lucky to be in this sort of meetup startup tech yeah. you know, inspiration you know you're the best blah 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 blah. It's quite difficult to see that actually you're extremely capable and you assume that there's this bar that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Um, we had at the uh, at the Geek Girl conference that we did last September, one of our speakers uh, was Melinda Seconton and she did a whole thing about yeah. imposter syndrome, Yes, which is effectively you stop yourself believing that you are worthy or you've achieved anything or that you are actually pretty amazing. You, yeah. you can't see yourself in the way other people perceive you. Yeah. I mean, it's even not a defeatist attitude. I mean, I've, everyone's like that. It's, you know, you don't have... To, it's not about being a negative person or any of these things. I think if you're, if you're not doing it, you assume you're not good enough to do it, right? Because you think, well, if I was good enough to do it, I'd be doing it already, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's not necessarily about... Because, I mean, I would, I would consider myself a massive optimist and I think I'm probably overconfident in a lot of ways. But there's times that I'll be sitting going, oh, I'm not right for that or I can't do that or there are people more qualified than me or whatever. And I think it's kind of trying to sort of just forget about that and be like, you know, whatever. It's, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And, you know, you have to be in it to win it or whatever, all these different phrases. But genuinely, I think there is a, a lack of, you know, insistence people do that. And I think it also is very difficult when you leave uni, if you've been to uni or, or college or whatever, you come out into the world and you're like, I'm super capable, I've just done a degree or I've just finished a college course, I've just finished an internship or, or I've been doing this job and I'm really good at it or whatever. And you assume going into the next one, that, you know, you're going to get to grow even further. And a lot of the time, you know, I mean, I remember when I first started in account management, um, you know, I typed out an email and they were like, oh, can we check your email before you send it? And I was kind of like, are you serious? It's an email. Like, I've sent lots of emails in my life. And, you know, I think it's about... A lot of people say, oh, you need to do your time. I don't believe in that. I hate the phrase, do your time. I think that's silly. Yeah. Why, why should you have to do your time? You know, it's... it's if you're capable, then you should be using your skills. And it's not about being you know, arrogant or ignorant and going into meetings and demanding that you get a peer rise or promotion when you know you maybe, if you think about it, don't deserve it. But it is about going, actually, I have skills that I want to be using and I'm not getting to use them right now. So yeah, don't do your time and whatever the first one was. <laughs> Which is find your passion. Find well, no, no, your no, passion. Use your. I don't know how you say that in like a short, catchy thing. It's not really use your passion or know your passion. It's more like decide if your passion is the thing you want to do as your job, and then do it. I mean, it's quite long, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Those two. Yeah, <laughs> I think I guess you could kind of summarize that as if you know or you are finding your passion. I'm making this longer, by That's the way. That's fine. But just as a summary, it's, I guess, figuring out whether 
your passion is something that can be incorporated into your career or yeah. whether it's something that you do on the side right you, you exactly make it part of your life exactly yeah that's that's exactly it it's, i mean at the end of the day we're all here to be happy right yeah i I've, I've come to the conclusion that that's the meaning of life when you think about it what everyone is doing is like you might be sort of doing it because you're angry at the time but you'll be doing it because eventually you want to be happy or you want to be happy with the outcome does that make sense i don't yeah. know i kind of feel like that's the reason why anyone does anything yeah maybe but the point is, is that if you're not happy then do something about it don't just moan because you're going to make other people unhappy as well and that's not very nice Cool. So we're getting a little bit like mad now, so I'm going to pop my answer. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I think, you know, at the end of the day, what we hope with this podcast is that anyone that's listening takes away some useful insights, mm. some great tips, but also learns that actually anyone that does have a job that they love still questions what they're doing or how they're working absolutely everything no one has all of the answers right and and you never should sure and you know just to kind of you know reiterate not everyone is where you think they are when you look at them from like an external point of view you kind of think oh that person's got their life together and actually uncovering everyone's human and you want to be happy sure actually being inquisitive and questioning things is a great thing to have sure i think that's a nice way to wrap up Great. Okay, cool. On that note, thank you very much, Gemma, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm going to do a couple of plugs. Now, firstly, this lovely lady is joining myself and a group of other geek girls and our awesome friends official name of what I'm leading on to uh, we are and going geek to be boys. don't forget the geek boys they're the geek boys they're our awesome friends oh I see right okay yeah, so I, oh I get it yeah. I get it oh okay sorry penny Carry drops on. right so geek girl meetup and awesome friends we are a group that are going to be running the hackney half on May the 8th we will be raising at a minimum £2,000 for Code Club which is a fantastic organisation that aims to teach kids in after-school clubs between the ages of 8 and 11 how to code. They learn the basics, it's all volunteer-based, it's a fantastic initiative. So we're going to be raising at minimum two grand to support a school for a whole year and a little bit longer within the Hackney and Tower Hamlets areas in London. Now, the reason we're mentioning this is because we need a few more runners to join us. So if you're in that... New Year's resolution, get fit, let's have something to work towards state of mind, then please get in touch with us either through Twitter on at GGMUK, through our Facebook page, which is Geek Girl Meetup, and you can have a look on our website and get in touch with us on there. And the second little plug is that I'm very excited to say that we have our first Geek Girl Meetup event of the year happening on January the 20th, which is in partnership with us too. We are going to be talking about design for impact. So what people are building, what UX is being used and how this connects to actually making a difference. It's all about tech for good. So we're going to have three awesome speakers on the January the 20th. Tickets are available online. You can find more information through our social channels and our website. And we hope to see you there. And on that note, I hope that you tune into the next in our Geek Girl Meets series. And it's bye for now.